So glad you're here today. It's a great day. Do you know it's Memorial Day weekend? And here you are. Uh, maybe the rain might have helped us just a little bit, kept you, kept you honest and kept you from the beach and had you show up here. So uh, anyway, I'm glad you're here. So thankful for all of you who've joined us online. Um, for our uh, message today, we've asked our youth pastor, Joao Pires, uh, a Portuguese name that I have not yet mastered, um, to speak to us. And uh, we're going to give you Club Sixers. You're getting a taste of what happens in Redline. Uh, I, I mean, I, I want to go to Redline these days, but they won't let me. Uh, anyway, uh, we're so uh, thankful for, well, let, let me just say that for a number of years, Amanda uh, Smith has done an outstanding job really growing Redline into what it is today. And obviously Amanda, and, and you also see Amanda's uh, hand uh, and as well as Russ, her co-director of worship, and Seth in our youth band, and you see a lot of our youth band here on regular Sundays because they're just great. Um, and we're thrilled now as Amanda has stepped into the role of our online campus pastor, which you're going to be hearing a lot about in coming weeks. We're thrilled now that in recent weeks that Joao, who's been a part of our team for about a year, has now stepped into the role of youth pastor. He's doing a great job. We're grateful for him. Please give a great big welcome to our youth pastor, Joao Perez. Fist pumping. How you guys doing today? Thank you so much. Hey, by the way, I, I, uh, I think it's important to give honor where honor's due. But the first thing is, I love your blazer, by the way. I, uh, I went to take a picture with him today, and I had, my, you know, I had the shirt off. I'm like, I'm not even going to post that because I don't look as good as him right now. But hey, I think it's important to give honor where honor's due. That family right there sitting in front, I think we're marveled about this amazing building, but I think what's more marvelous is how you guys built up so many people all these years. And so let's give them a hand. I mean... I think it's absolutely amazing, and so you guys have been phenomenal, and you see a faces of here. Come on, aren't you blessed by them? Come on, aren't you blessed? For those watching, there you go. Well, I'm going to ask you guys what I asked the youth every Wednesday. You guys ready for the word? You ready for the word? Let's do this. Hey, I'm going to pray. I love praying before we start, and we're going to get into this thing. Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you for every single person in this room. And Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would uplift hearts this morning, that you would encourage souls to step out and to do amazing things for your kingdom. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this region. I pray that what comes out of this place uh, can literally echo and lives could be changed around this world, Father. I thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Everybody said? Awesome. Hey, uh, look at your neighbor and say, you look nice today. Okay, awesome. Hey, I have a quick question. Uh, how many of you in this room are not from the United States? Well, no one is really, I mean, but, but like you personally, if you're not from the United States, raise your hand. You got a couple people. I love that. Oh my, this whole section right here. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so for me personally, I love stories. And so my, my, my I, I, maybe it could bring back memory lane for you guys as well. But my, my parents came in the 90s. I came with them. We were just a little baby, and uh, it was the mid-90s. My parents came across the Atlantic Ocean over from Portugal. And so I, what I find it funny is, you know, growing up, for those of you in this room, 
how sometimes your foreign parents, their parenting didn't really translate to American lifestyle? Okay, eight people. Okay, I understand. All right. So, like, like no, it's true, it's true. And so I, I told the joke that my dad used to pick me up at school. Like, in Portugal, there wasn't, like, security guards at, like, the front. So he would walk past the security to get his son. I'm like, Dad, you have to, like, go through the metal detector. You can't just walk around like you own the place. And then my mom, she was hilarious because, you know, uh, regular kids for lunch, you know, they have Lunchables. They'll do, like... Um, you know, I don't know, what do kids eat? What do you guys eat nowadays? I'm just curious. Like, I don't know, PB&J sandwiches by the age of eight? You, you know what I mean? Or, or another one is like, uh, I don't know, ham and cheese sandwiches. That's like a normal lunch for an eight-year-old. However, my mother used to give me a Tupperware, true story, with like greens, sardines. <laughs> true story. She actually was so nice. She used to take out the bones from your the cartilage. Yeah drenched in olive oil. This is actually a true story. I remember going to school and this happened. One day I spilled that olive oil sardine all over this girl's book bag and it smelled the whole year. <laughs> it's just, it, probably, it probably still smells. I don't know. It probably still smells. But I wanted to bring you guys back to memory lane a little bit because when I think about my parents, my, my, my dad would tell me stories of, of when I was growing up and how you know, he would learn when he was in, Amer- in Portugal about this great life in America. And he ne- didn't necessarily understand what it was going to be like. He just knew that it would be better from where he was. And I remember him telling me, he was like, you know, we left everything. We left a village of about 200 people, some chickens that we used to have to kill to eat. Like, we, we, we left everything we knew, our culture, our worldviews, a lot of how we did life, we had to leave behind because we knew that there would be something better. And I think it's really important that we can start on this principle. And it still rings that true today, is that if you want to get to something new, you're going to have to leave something behind. Because what I've often learned about faith is that faith is as much about what you leave than it is about what you receive. And sometimes God has called us on this adventure, but many times we aren't willing to step out to do it. And so the Bible, I mean, put it this way, the Bible in Hebrews 12, it says that that, that, that if you want to run the race of faith, to literally let go all of the weight that so easily entangles you. Why? Because you can't run a race with baggage at the same time. You have to leave some things behind. This is why in Philippians, Paul says, I look forward to the future, but I forget what's behind. Why? Because you can't expect to walk forward with your mind still consumed on the things of the past. This is why Jesus literally says, this is why Jesus says, to Peter to, to come and I'm going to make you fishers of men. What does Peter do? He leaves his net behind. Why? Because he couldn't stay to what he used to and give Jesus all of his life. You see, the Christian faith is as much about what you leave than it is about what you receive. And so I'm calling this message today the faith to leave. Because here's a basic principle, I guess. It's that so often one of the greatest hindrances of living a life of faith is the refusal to leave what's familiar. And, and, and so, so, so today I wanna to encourage some of you guys, because I'm not necessarily talking about geographical things, I'm talking about many things in this life. I, you know, the Bible talks about an abundant life. When Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance, it's literally this Greek word that says exceeding measure, it's more, it's an amount, it's exceeding measure. And when he said that, he didn't necessarily talk about money, which is fine. 
He didn't mean more success of what the world deems as success. No, no, he was saying more hope, more joy, more purpose, more promise, more of me, more of these things that the world cannot give you. But often I don't want to take on that new life because I'm not willing to leave what's old. And so today we're going to open up to Genesis 12. If you got your Bible, say A. Oh, these people up here got their new Bibles. You have, they're opening up to the table of contents, like you're making believe you're in Genesis, but you're in like, I don't know, Revelations. You guys ready for it? And so I'm going to read it. And so, so before I read it, let me just give you some context. For those of you who, who have read the Bible before, you've heard about Noah and the days of Noah, and you heard about how, how there was a flood. Now, now what ended up happening was God made a vow or a promise or a covenant to this man named Noah, and he says, no, I'm never going to fill the earth like this ever again. And so he gave this promise to Noah. Noah ends up making this boat, and, 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 and his family survives. And, and now we find ourselves here 10 generations later, 10 generations. And the Bible literally has said that man walked away from God. Can you imagine God saving a family, and then 10 generations later, people go off to worship other gods? And so we, here we find this moment. We go to a place called Ur of Chaldeans. Now, this place called Ur, they had worshipped many things. And by the way, it sounds like our culture today. We might not be worshipping a statue, but we do worship so many other things. And we got this place, and this 75-year-old man, who was most likely a moon moon god worshipper, and and this moon god was by the name of Nana. And this is interesting, and this is going to be really important, is that Nana was known for, for, for the fact that he gave prosperity and he gave fertility. And one thing that was said about Nana as well is that Nana saw far out into the universe, past the stars. And so God appears to this man who was most likely a moon god worshiper. And I, I feel like I really have to say this because what I love about God's grace is that he doesn't necessarily wait for someone to have it all together to give him his attention. For some of you in this room, you have to realize that you already have God's attention. It's his grace. He doesn't wait for you to get your life together. It then comes to you. No, the radical call of the gospel is that Jesus would come as we are in this moment. And so if you're scared that the roof is going to fall because of your sin, let me just tell you something. No, Jesus is grace. That's what makes it awesome. It gets me so pumped to talk about this. And you would show up to a man. And this is where we find Abram at the age of 75 with no kids, because his wife was barren. You guys ready for this? Let's do it. It goes like this. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Next one. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse And all of the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That's good. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Um, I think think this is really encouraging for some of us. So what God wanted to do is he wanted to create a nation. And so what he had to do is we had to get a man, take him out of everything he knew so that he could create a nation so he can bless. I often tell youth on Wednesdays, uh, when God sets you apart, it doesn't mean it's because you're weird. It just means God has a function for you. 
The good thing about holiness is that oftentimes when we talk about holiness, it's as if as it's something that makes you apart and separate and weird. No, no, no. Holiness just means that God has such a great plan for your life that you don't have to give in to anything that culture throws your way. That's what real holiness is. And so he separates Abram. And so he separates Abram and puts him in this place. And of course, God in his introduction, at least introduce yourself. He says, go, leave everything. I want you to leave everything behind. But here's what's crazy about it. And I think it's true with a lot of our lives. It's that oftentimes we don't want to step into the unknown because we're scared of the unknown. And oftentimes we don't want to walk into what's new because we're so scared of what is. And I've often found in my life is that I don't embrace what is because I want to go back to what was. My, my, um, my, 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 my nephew, uh, my brother ended up taking my nephew uh, to the Amish country, true story, every year since he was born. And, and, and my, my nephew, at this point, he was seven or eight years old, he was going to the Amish country, going to the Amish country every year, and he loved going. He would ask his parents every month to go back to the Amish country. Now, now here's what, what, what's, what's, what's interesting about the Amish country is, is, by the way, I love their pies. Okay, anyways, great people, great people. And so what ends up happening is that every year he expects it, but one year... My, 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 my brother thought that they would lie to him, because that's always right. Just always lie to your kids, right? Of course. I'm about to start venting. I'm not. Okay, fine. Let's go. <laughs> and he looks at him, and he says, um, we're going to the Amish country. Except this time, what, they, what he didn't know was that they were, he, they were actually taking him to Disney. Hold on a second. Now, he gets on a plane. His first question, what is this? What is like, what's this metal tube about to go up into the sky? Which, by the way, I don't understand, okay? And he gets into this, into this airplane, and apparently he cries the whole way. And apparently he didn't want to leave the plane because he didn't want to go to Disney. He wanted to go back to the Amish country. She said, stop, exactly. Now listen, if, if, if you're from Amish country and you're watching, we love you. Um, but, but like, I, I love the Amish country, but if someone was to give me an option of going to Disney or to Amish... I would rather go to Disney, Space Mountain, everybody. But what I find funny, and it's, and it's funny for, for an eight-year-old, but how many times in our own spiritual walk do we do the same thing? That we don't want to embrace something new because we would rather hold on to what we knew. And what ends up happening in our lives is God wants to take us somewhere better. He wants to give us more life, more opportunity, more purpose, more blessing. Yet we would rather stay behind in what we knew and not embrace something that was so much better. You see, this season of the, of the pandemic, I mean, some of you sitting in this room, everything has absolutely changed. Your parenting, mom's in the house, dad's in the house. You became a parent to a teacher and a cook and a bus driver and, and all these things to the business owners. I have friends who own businesses who were freaked out during this pandemic, trying to change their methodology of how we're supposed to sell our product. How in the world are we supposed to reach more people as a minister? I mean, it goes on and on and on. And here's what we end up thinking, is that since we're coming into something new, we often think that God has not taken us to something better. And what I've often learned about my life is that, listen, God won't take me to where his presence is not. And so he goes and he says this, I want you to leave because I will bless you. I'm going to say, I want you to leave 
because I will bless you. He says, I will bless you. I, I, will, I, will bless, I will give you a nation. I will bless you. And he says it four times. It's almost as if he's telling Abraham, you're not going to be familiar with what you're about to walk into, but you can be familiar with my promise. You're not going to be familiar with what you're going to walk into, but you will be familiar with my promise. You see, this pumps me up so much because when life is unfamiliar, I can still hold on to the familiar presence of God. When, when life gets hard and things get tough, I promise you, we still have the same word. We still have the same presence. We still have the same worship that's a weapon to do in the middle. And here's the thing, our, our future might be unfamiliar, but his promise still remains constant. And, and listen... And the reason that this pumps me up is because sometimes we're sold a bill of goods that says when you give your life to Jesus, things just get way better and, and there's going to be rainbows all over your life. And I believe that things get better, but it's sometimes it has everything to do with in the middle of what I'm walking through, I still know the presence of God. In the middle of my struggle, I still know the presence of God. In the middle of whatever I walk through, the presence of God is sure because he said, I will, a starting point of faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he says he would do. He gives this promise. And I often find myself being frustrated sometimes because you ever felt like you got a promise and it didn't look like the thing that you've been promised? I mean, it's the story of our lives. So Abram was promised he leaves he almost becomes a nomad, putting up a tent. I mean, in ancient Mesopotamia, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't glamping. Let me just put it like that. When we think of camping, we think of like glamping. No, this was, cam this was real camping, okay? And he's out in the middle of nowhere with a tent, and this tent was probably really, really big. And things don't look like the way that God promised it. Chapter 12, God says, I will bless you. Chapter 13, 14, weird things end up happening. He has to save his nephew from a battle. He has to lie to Pharaoh about his wife so he could spare his own. And now we find ourselves in Genesis 15, and I would encourage you to go to read those three chapters. And let's go to Genesis 15. You guys could put it up on the screen. Um, oh, that rhymed. Anyways. <laughs> After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. They're going to bring out a tent, by the way. Your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. At this point, he still doesn't have the promise of God. And how frustrating is it to have all these riches and this legacy, but have no one to leave it behind for? And he couldn't give it to his kids because he couldn't have any kids. His wife was barren. So he thought he had to give everything to his servant. And it goes this. And Abraham said, you, ha you have given me no children. And my household will be, and my servant will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Next one. And he took him outside. Everyone say outside. And he said, look. Oh, I like that. And he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. So here, here's, my, um, 
Here's my tent, by the way. Yes, Abram was walking around in a red Coleman tent. I don't know if they had Dick's Sporting Goods back then, but... But anyways, youth pastors are crazy, by the way. If you're wondering, I don't even believe youth pastors are human beings. I think we're definitely creatures. But the reason that we're creatures is because we find, I mean, Pastor Jason will know this, we'll find the craziest things to illustrate our sermons. In September, I'm going to do a sermon series called Hot Ones where we'll literally use hot sauce. Okay. Wrong side. Here's what ends up happening. You see, Abram traveled in the tent. And I find it funny how he told him to leave his country, leave everything behind. And this speaks to me personally. And then he says this, I want you to come outside of your tent. Do you guys see me? How do I look? Thank you. Here's what happens. He says, I want you to leave I want you to come outside, and I think this could be an illustration for what happens in our lives sometimes. You see, when I'm talking about outside, let me, let's talk about the contrast, which is inside. When I'm talking about what's inside, you see, a lot of us during the pandemic were scared to leave our homes, and rightfully so. But, but, but bigger than that, I'm not talking about leaving your home. I'm talking about staying inside of something that you find safe. I'm talking about staying inside of the four walls you put up so that you can feel safe. You see, I'm talking about the four walls of familiarity. And here's what ends up happening. There are things we will stay inside of that God is calling us out of. I'm talking about staying inside of our assumptions of who God is. And we will live our lives assuming that God is one thing, but he's completely better than everything that we can ever thought of or dreamed or imagined. I'm talking about staying inside of our fears. And we will live our life not risking anything for Jesus because we're so scared. I'm talking about staying inside of a relationship that God is calling you from. I I'm talking about staying inside of what you find safe inside of your pride that God can't even use you because you'd rather want the world to run your way. And here's what ends up happening. God says, come outside. And here's what we end up doing. God ends up saying, come outside. I've called you to something great. And here's what we do. Some of us, we need to come outside because we know God is calling us for, to do something. And here's what we end up doing. We, 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 you know, God has given us a calling to do something great. And then we come out and we kind of peek it out. And we're like, oh, no, nah, chill. I'm going right back in. That's way too much work. <laughs> God will give us a word. Maybe God is telling you to, to love your neighborhood and he's given you an idea of what you can do to pour into your neighborhood and to change your community. And then you come outside, you're like, oh, not chill. They don't like look like me or talk like me. Let me go right back in, play 2K, eat Cheetos. God will call us outside. Yet often, we still want to remain inside of our own comfort. And here's what God does. He says, I want you to step outside and I want you to look at the stars. What I've often learned about God is that he will work outside of what you expected him to do. 
He will work outside of everything that you've assumed for him to be. He will work outside of your fallible human assumptions about who he is. Some of God's greatest work has always been outside of how I wanted him to work. But many times we falsely assume that if we have a presence of hardship, that means there's an absence of his presence. That is far from the truth. What I could tell you today is that God often works in ways that we don't expect him to work. I mean, yo, look, look. I said yo, and I realized it's Sunday. Okay, I just connected with 16% of you on that one. Jesus came to this earth. What was he doing? Shattering boxes everywhere he would go. The Pharisees put him in a box of what he was supposed to be like. What did he do? He said he really came to love the sinner and sat with those who no one else wanted to sit with. Why? Because he was doing something outside of what they wanted him to do. He would come on the scene. He would spit in mud. He would get that mud, put a guy, uh, heal a guy's eyes, and like, why are you healing him like that? And he's basically doing, listen, I could do whatever I want. I want to work outside of what you expected me to do. And so he tells him to step outside. And he says, I want you to look at the stars. And he's saying, you can't even have kids, but I'm going to give you a lineage and I'm, I'm going to do something through your life that, that, but can you count the stars? No, you can't count the stars. Why? Because it's so much bigger than what, what, what you expect me to do. See, this is the God we serve. And I love this. And I love this because this is what we do. He says, he says look up at the stars. One trillion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. It's almost as he's looking at Abram. And he's saying, that little moon God that you used to worship that apparently gave you fertility and prosperity? Guess what? Look at the stars. Um, I am over him. He probably gave you fertility, quote unquote, but I am the giver of life. I will give you life. And he's looking at this man, he's saying, that God that you said that, that would probably look out into the universe and he saw the universe? Well, well I'm the God who stretches the, the heavens like a curtain. I, I am so much bigger than anything of what your culture told you, of what your worldview culture. You see, this is the beauty of our God. He will always be better of what anything else can promise us. You know, he says, I want you to look at the stars. And here's what's crazy about this. It don't look like no stars. He's traveling around in a tent. You know, my wife and I, when we got married, uh, you can put up the picture. Okay, awesome. And so I remember asking my wife, um, and here's what's crazy, is that when I asked her to marry me, I actually never asked her to marry me. True story. I never did. I haven't done it yet. Does it still count? I mean, I don't know. I actually asked her um, to chase the stars with me. And so what we meant by, it was a Disney reference, what we meant by that was, let's try things that are so insane <laughs> that maybe things that haven't been done before. Let's just believe it. Let's chase it together. And here's what ends up happening. You get married, and then you have bills. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, when bills start student loans, I mean, our first Valentine's Day, true story, we had a sewer backup in our new house, and Valentine's Day smelled like sewers, not roses. And we're looking at it, and we're like, this does not look like the stars. 
at all. But what I've often found in my own life, and maybe you too, is that oftentimes we will love the promise but hate the process. Is that oftentimes we will forfeit on what God is doing because we were too impatient to stick it through. What I absolutely love about God is that he will call you to a promise and we will walk through this life. But the Bible says that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him. And he is still working and working and working and working. The sovereign God is still putting things together. Come on. And to end this, let me land right here. In chapter 16, he disobeyed God. In chapter 21, at the age of 99, he ended up having Isaac, the son of promise. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had Judah. Judah had a son who 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 then had a daughter named Ruth. Ruth had a son who then had a son who then had King David. King David had King Solomon. King Solomon, uh, 12 generations right after, there was a little baby boy born in a manger by parents who couldn't even find room for him under a starry night. They couldn't even find anything. And here's what ends up happening. Wise men see stars up above and they look at the stars and somehow it's it's leading him to this child. This This baby was called Jesus and Jesus became King Jesus because he went to the cross, died for our sins in the place that I couldn't even take myself. And here's what ends up happening. Today we could be sons and daughters of God because of what came from Jesus. What I love about God is that he would always fulfill a promise. And so we could leave things behind, not because we're talking about something geographically, but because we don't really care about the familiar because we know God has always taken us to something better. And so let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord for the people in this room. I thank you for what you're doing, Father. And Lord, I ask you that if there's anyone in this room, maybe in their heart, they know exactly what you're calling them to leave. Father, I ask you by your Holy Spirit that you give them strength. And if anybody in this room who doesn't, um, who maybe the story of Christianity is weird to them or they've never fully embraced this, Lord, Father, I ask you um, that you would show them your glory in amazing ways, Father. And we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen, amen.